Hello and welcome to the Optimism Vision Podcast. Our conversations aim to express the benefits of adopting an optimistic mindset alongside a healthy, active lifestyle. Each episode, I challenge our guests and the listener to embrace visionary thinking and push past values that we passively accept within our daily lives and instead strive to achieve more together. This week's guest is Catherine Hardy. She's a sports science graduate currently studying for a master's within the biomechanics pathway. She also holds a 4 by 200 meter indoor relay record for Wales. So someone who is not a stranger to elite competition. Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I'm so excited to have a chat with you about your optimistic vision. Um, I've had a very busy day and this has been keeping me going through the day. So I really appreciate you making time for this. Yeah, no problem. My first question that I'd love to post to you, which I would love to post to all my guests, is what does the phrase having an optimistic vision mean to you? Optimistic vision is being confident in your own ability, um, thinking positively about the future and that you can achieve the things that you're hoping to achieve. I completely agree. I think it's also something that people can acknowledge that the present might not be the best. You know, there are things that you can still strive to achieve things in the near future. I think that's probably the key principle behind um, the optimism vision. So I'm really glad that you are on the same level with me on that one. Is there one thing that your younger self uh, would admire about you now? 100% my work ethic, (laughs) because everything I've done, I've worked 100% my hardest in achieving and regardless of any result that I've acquired I know that no no matter what I've done I've always performed my absolute best um, in terms of trying to achieve it so coming through tough times at school in my athletics career at university I know that yeah maybe a result may not have been what I wanted looking back I kind of think well regardless of that I know that I did my absolute best and I think if I were my younger self looking at myself now um I would think yeah she worked hard and that's something I'd I'd um, admire about myself do you think that makes you a resilient person in things other than education do you think that's benefited you in your career choices and your relationships do you think having that sort of thicker skin and that ability to continually embrace that you know uh, optimistic motive that things are still going to be okay I know that that's something that a younger child so of course we've both worked with younger children in the past but we don't possess that hindsight do we that we know that all the small things we're doing now eventually lead to the big things in the future and I think that is a message that's really difficult to get across to like what would be our younger selves so do you think that being resilient at a younger age has definitely contributed to that amazing work ethic. I definitely think so. And and I don't know about you, but my parents have always just instilled in me, like, no matter what, just work your hardest and things will come of it. And um, even when I've been coaching and working in the schools, I've always said to the kids, like, trust me, work hard and you will get the results you want. I, I definitely think, like, even with me, like, I've had a lot of worry before of, even now I worry thinking, oh my gosh, what if I don't get this? And I think, well, something's going to happen that's going to be great. I, 
I've worked hard enough for it. Someone's going to want me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> my resilience has kind of helped me through the tough times from a young age um, up until now. Do you think that attitude has impacted the way that you coach other people or teach other people? Do you think your your previous experiences of being coached and being taught? Because for myself, that's, that for me was a huge learning curve. So I found it very, very difficult to empathise with children that just can't do it. And I'm still learning every day and I'm learning new techniques. But it's frustrating because I'm not the most patient person. Like football, I played at a really good level when I was younger. I find it very difficult to coach football to a level that is very very foundation because at that age I felt like I could do it and translating that into the classroom I found very difficult um, because my experience of coaching was always at a level that I reciprocated so do you think that maybe your methods have been impacted by the way that you were taught or sort of that you experienced? Yeah I mean when I worked in the so I used to work in a secondary school and my role was a learning support assistant never worked with children before with additional needs it was very difficult for me for having so much understanding in a certain subject or or just even through school it's been very hard for me to try and adapt my communication adapt the way I um, kind of teach these children even though I'm not a teacher but just how I communicate with them in general to um, help them understand because they ultimately don't understand how I I do if that makes sense I definitely think that for me my experiences as an athlete as well can kind of link with that because a few of my coaches have worked have been Olympians and things like that and they have kind of got the that kind of resilient mindset that do this do this do this whereas for me it might not work and it's been hard for me to pick up to pick up on that I think it's I've learned from the experiences and I think like you said you you're quite impatient sometimes and I definitely am like I'm the sort of person when I coached athletics I used to be quite like oh my god why can't they get it I'm I'm glad you agree with like it's very hard isn't it when you've learned something to such a technical level and you know you've got that finesse at your craft that trying to dumb it down is actually so much more difficult than like relaying it so obviously I got straight into my like school job from uni and for the first couple weeks especially while I was still studying because obviously I got it just before I fully finished was coming out of like a degree level lecture and then going into a classroom with 10 11 year olds and trying to simplify it to a point where I only kept the most relevant information and I'm glad that you agree that that is something that is very very difficult to do yeah definitely so You've talked about your various experiences as an athlete, as um, you know, now an alumni, um, and obviously you're still a student. Is there one experience you think you've grown from the most as a person? Yeah, I was going to say it's it's hard for me because obviously there's so many experiences I've had down so many different avenues, and I have grown from all of them. But there is one I think that stands out the most, and it's. I got injured from um, in training in, I think, my first or second year of university. And for months on end, nobody knew what the injury was. No one could help me with it. We were trying so many different things and just no one could sort it out. And it was frustrating. Um, I had 
people on my team that didn't believe I was injured because it was the sort of thing where I would go training and it would be completely fine. I'd have no symptoms, nothing. And then the next day I'd go and I wouldn't even be able to walk. And um, I was surrounded by a group which was supportive at times, but at other times were quite, you're not injured, you're lying about it. And I'm thinking, why would I lie about this? <laughs> um, and it made people turn against me because they thought I was lying. And if you know me, I'm not the sort of person I want to argue with people. I've, I'm a bit um, soft. I don't stick up for myself. But I'm quite introverted and I've really found it hard to make friends with people who were being so negative around me. And I would literally spend three hours a day with these people and it really made me struggle. And then it wasn't until... I kind of got better, moved groups and things like that, that it made me realise that being around people who just emit negative energies just was not important to me. And again, like you said earlier, with hindsight, like you don't see it when you're in the moment, but when you look back, you think, what was I doing? Um, so yeah, I've just learned now that being around positive people, being around people that make you feel... Um, good about yourself that actually feel like they want to help you is definitely something that I've learned and I can say that I've grown from um as a person it's definitely helped me gain confidence and kind of stand up for myself a bit more that's so pure to hear you say that out loud because the idea that only being attracted to like positive vibes takes so much less effort doesn't it than getting yourself in my opinion so hung up on negative aspects of our lives and yeah. it's an addictive attitude that we can continue to keep seeking these positive changes i think it's investing in yourself is one of those things that nobody does culture especially in sport tends to criticize these people as being arrogant or cocky is kind of an extreme but the idea that you're just doing what's good for you um is an addictive process as well as well as that sort of negative spiral of like bad behavior the idea that we can continually be addicted to doing the best for ourselves and the way that you said that you made that mental sort of conscious switch between someone that was influenced by negative energy and then instead made a conscious decision to choose to be within those more positive environments um, leads me on perfectly to sort of my next question but is there something about you that you no longer consider a weakness would you pinpoint that recognition of the impact of being in a negative environment had on yourself and your self-esteem and your your own ability to perform both academically and physically do you think that that would be something that you'd no longer consider a weakness that change in attitude yeah definitely and I think alongside that is um as I mentioned in in the from your previous question was about how introverted I was and I know I'll never be an extrovert but when you see me with my friends I can kind of be quiet I can I'm very open um, but I'm confident, I'm happy. But obviously in that environment, I wasn't. And I was very introverted. And I think they kind of played on that um, because they knew I wouldn't speak up. And that's what was upsetting me even more. And that's what kind of made me make that conscious switch to be like, right, I need to move. Um, but also in my studies, in training, um, university, it's held me back being an introvert because I've been 
things like even at school or even well even now at university like if if a lecturer asks me a question I I kind of know the answer but I'm scared to say it in case it's wrong and I need to just find that way of thinking just say it and if it's wrong you're learning it's it's not all about getting things wrong it's not about feeling shame about getting things wrong it's um being confident to say something because ultimately when I have said things in lectures that are right I feel so good about myself afterwards and I have a little celebration I'm like oh my god I got it right (laughs) um but yeah I just don't let things like that get to me anymore and I think again just surrounding yourself with people that make you happy and, and confident and those with the same kind of motives as you is definitely what has made me not consider myself as an introvert being a weakness because I think that's in the past definitely what has um what I've definitely seen as a weakness is how introverted I am you acknowledge that you don't have to be an extrovert if you don't want to be an introvert but the idea that you can be introverted and happy with yourself is such a powerful view to have on your own sort of space because you don't always have to be that extroverted person that is confident around other people just some people really struggle being confident within themselves and I acknowledge what you said about you know celebrating the small wins when you do finally burst out of that category of being super introverted and making you know a positive contribution that is rewarded either through you know social recognition or an academic um you know achievement and it's definitely something worth celebrating and like I said you shouldn't always strive to not to be an introvert I think people have this negative perception that being an introvert is a bad thing um extroverts can typically suffer from the same thing they're not happy with their own self their own space they're not happy in their own company which is you know a huge backlash I suppose of especially the pandemic of you know people that haven't been supported through various experiences in their lives so for you to recognize that you're still high functioning person as an introvert is brilliant and but the fact that you have progressed within that space is still absolutely huge I was kind of the lucky kid that was kind of nerdy to a point but I was in the sports teams so from a social point of view I was sort of very very lucky to be in the middle of that seesaw when I was about 15 someone said to me that you should always be the first person to break the ice the quicker you either make yourself look silly or introduce yourself to someone you are saving the amount of time that you've got to feel awkward for so for example to use your your instance was if no one was talking in a lecture theater and someone had posed a question I would force myself to answer that question, even if it was wrong, because I hate the empty space in between like uncertainty. And even for me, I would turn that into a positive interaction and say, well, I've put myself out there. Um, I'm wrong, but it was better than me sitting here feeling like building up these feelings of anxiety or uncertainty. And trust me, it's horrible to do. There's a lot of times where I have fully backed out. But in my head, just acknowledging that is something that I think is huge and definitely something that has made me grow as a person. And I think that's pretty much what you're embracing, Catherine. So I think you should be really, really proud of yourself that there is things that your younger self would admire about you now, but also things that you were aware of that you no longer consider a weakness. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's what your point then, actually. I I didn't really think of it like that with... um you should be the first to break the ice because I sit there and especially 
through this last well year um I've been doing my lectures online and I've really struggled with the fact that it's all on the computer it's all on teams and when we get asked a question it's just kind of and obviously we're in such a small there's only five of us on our course so someone's got to answer the question and if it's not anyone else then it's kind of like well I've got to say something um so yeah sometimes I do literally just sit there and think right I I've got the answer but I feel like to me the pause is so long and then when I come to say it and it's right I'm I'm just like oh my god (laughs) um and then yeah you do celebrate the small wins as you said so yeah I do completely agree like breaking the ice first is is kind of what um for me kickstarts my sort of positive and more confident feelings in um like what I'm trying to achieve really I suppose the quicker that you get it wrong the quicker someone's going to correct you as well like that's also something that we forget because like when meeting brand new people it's the idea that if you just stand there and you know don't have that conversation or you know really push yourself then it's wasted time like you will never know what you could have got from that conversation if you don't just you know like I said before put your neck on the line and go hi I'm Alex this is what I'm about this is what I'm looking for can you offer it to me and I think if you put it in that really like business-like pitch the worst scenario is someone's going to correct it but of course we say that to ourselves all the time and it's still a lot harder to actually do it's a lot easier to say than put it into practice and I appreciate that a lot but once you fully push yourself into that zone and that sort of perspective of the quicker I get this wrong, the quicker someone's going to correct me is a time saving and efficient way of working. It's definitely something that we can all learn from. And I think we would make a lot more connections, um, healthy connections. We'd also, it would almost probably improve our work ethic tenfold because we'd not waste time umming and ahhing about what our next move should be. And I think that is just something that comes with experience, isn't it? Like you said, you're doing a master level qualification, which is obviously above what I've done so far. Um, won't write it off, but currently after a year in, in the pandemic, of course, is something that I've definitely put on the back burner. So I admire your work ethic there 10 times over mine. Just the idea that the quick, quicker we get something wrong, the quicker someone will correct us. And I think we'll, you know, that even if it's just 10% more work, it's definitely something on top of what we're already striving to achieve. So I think Definitely. that is an attitude that we can all embrace, which is something that I'm obviously trying to push with the optimism vision and something that I try and live by. If not all the time, I'm definitely thinking it. Yeah, 100%. So we did touch upon our experiences within the pandemic. Of course, we are probably coming up to that. 18 months uh, here in the UK where it's definitely affected our experiences on day-to-day life. However, it has negatively impacted our lives in a lot of ways, um, especially in terms of communication and face-to-face social connections. Um, and this, of course, has a massive toll on our um, both our physical and mental health. And a question that I love to pose is, do you feel that your mental and physical health demand equal attention? It's a tough one. Lockdown has been quite hard for the majority of people. And for me, certainly, I have struggled with maintaining my physical health more than anything. Um, so last kind of while well, we went into lockdown last year, I quit athletics after 11 years of being in the sport. And going from 
being in a sport for 11 years and probably the last five being more of an, a higher level, going from routine training nearly every day to nothing is just extremely difficult. And for me, it's been very hard to kind of maintain that physical health, even though at the start of lockdown, my mental health was was completely fine. I had things to get on with. I was working and I was always keeping busy. Um, so recently I've been committing to meeting up with my friends weekly, going to the gym, going swimming, making sure I'm being more positive with kind of things I look forward to. Um, making sure that if I've got plans, I don't think, oh, I can't be bothered, I'm going to cancel, things like that. So it will just things like even going for walks with my friends. Um, that's something that I'm really finding positive for me at the moment, and I'm really seeing differences in my physical health um, just from kind of kicking myself up the bum, really, and thinking, like, come on, you need to get yourself in gear. But then on the other hand, um, well, sorry, if if I carry on with that it's improving my physical health has made me realize how important my mental health is and if I keep going with my physical health and keep improving my fitness if I keep going for walks if I keep meeting my friends if I go to the gym and and I'm enjoying it obviously that's going to improve my mental state it's going to make me feel more motivated to go to the gym it's going to make me more engaged with different activities things like that but on the other hand, for me, um, it's kind of the fact that so much, well, how, how do I explain it? Um, as much as physical health can improve your mental health, I feel like getting out of, if you're in like a, a kind of a mental health rut, if you're kind of feeling a bit down, trying to get to do m- more physical things, trying to improve your physical health is much harder. And I think for me, ultimately, to improve my mental health, my physical health is more important to tackle first. In my own experience, all I'm I'm thinking is, right, if I can go to the gym and I'm enjoying this and it's motivating me, then that's going to improve my mental health. They don't always demand equal attention, yet realistically, we should probably give equal attention to both our physical and mental health. For example, it's so easy to say, oh, I'm going to go train this muscle at the gym or train this you know, physiological aspects, I'm going to go do cardio today and always commit to both aspects. Yet both have a positive impact on our lives. Yeah. And I think that what you've told me is that they both demand equal attention. I think, I think you've probably in a roundabout way confirmed that both your physical and mental health is something that you think about on the daily which is brilliant because like you said even just going for walks with friends has that amazing psychological benefit which of course it's it's a positive loop cycle then isn't it if i feel good about exercising i'm going to exercise more if i exercise more i'm going to have more opportunities to feel good about exercising and etc 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 so it's really positive to know that both your mental and physical health play a huge part and you're also super aware of it um in a good way we've also got to recognize that it's not the same for everyone and everyone's going to have different feelings of whether which one is obviously more important or if they do or don't demand equal attention so um yeah in case anyone who's going to listen thinks um they have to demand the same attention i don't think 
that's the same for everyone like this is just my personal experience and um I mean everyone's gonna have different experiences and feel different ways so yeah <laughs> and it does differ from day to day doesn't it like like I said I've had a pretty long day or a long few days at work you've had you know a boring day and you know that does demand different amounts of attention so you know even if it does differ between individual it definitely differs from individual like differing on different days you know that was yeah. a crazy way of putting it but the idea is that i could ask you this tomorrow in a week in a month you know we will both maybe equally demand the same amount of attention but one may need more or less care than today yeah and definitely. i think just acknowledging that with the hindsight of knowing that we can do better for ourselves is something that you know makes things a lot easier makes them less stressful and means that we can be optimistic are there areas in your life that optimistic attitudes are fueled so is there certain activities that you do certain people that you see that you feel it's easiest to stay optimistic um i think for me be knowing i've got things to look forward to knowing that i've got goals that i want to achieve things like that is what kind of fuels my optimism in life um this is probably going to be really cringy but my partner at the moment is so positive about everything and he's so confident and he's he works hard and when I'm ever feeling like oh I'm not going to achieve this or he's always the first to kind of bring me back and think what stopped you achieving things in the first place um or before um everything I've done in life obviously as I said earlier I've worked hard for and um like when I left when I left school I wanted to go and do A-levels but they took P off the curriculum so I was like right I need to find an alternative and I went to Hartbury College and everything has worked out for a reason and I feel like now like even though I'm going through this process I'm coming to the end of my master's and I'm just kind of seeing well I'm not really seeing how my career is going to progress completely it's not like I can see light at the end of the tunnel it's kind of a bit blurred he's always the first one to say everything's going to be fine you've come through it before you've achieved great things before and I'm going to achieve great things in the future so he's always the first one that kind of believes in me and um kind of keeps me on track with things um and And that's amazing to know that you've acknowledged that light is still there it can be blurred but it is still there yeah definitely yeah um and then in terms of kind of where in my life is it easiest to feel optimistic like as we've touched on earlier just getting even just feedback from in terms of at university for me lecturers and or feedback in essays that is positive or things like that really enhances my belief in my own capability really so I recently had a discussion with um, one of my lecturers and they were saying I really want you to do a PhD what do you think about it um and kind of going through the motion with it and I kind of was like um it's not really my sort of thing and and if I think back I'm 23 now and I've been in education near enough my whole life and I think I've got to the point now where I'm like I need to just move on and focus on work focus on what my next steps in life are going to be because ultimately yes a PhD is good but it's never going to guarantee you um a really successful job or anything like I'd much rather focus on what I want to do next than that sort of thing but 
their feedback to me was that they've they think I'm so capable in doing it and um I work hard and even just hearing things like that from someone so high up in their field is really great and motivating to hear and that's what makes me feel aware in life I feel most optimistic absolutely love that and then so just to round off it's kind of just asking you to summarize what you've pretty much just said and the idea about what is your current vision for the future I know goal setting is something that we're both extremely familiar with both short term and long term but is there things that you're looking at doing in the next couple of weeks and then potentially where you see yourself in the next 12 months of course we're both impacted by an industry that has been severely restricted due to COVID restrictions, obviously a new way of working. Catherine Hardy, what is your current vision for the future? Um, In terms of the next few weeks, mainly just trying to get my essays done. (laughs) Um, But there is, I'm seeing the career service this Thursday to go through a job application that has come up um, a bit closer to home because obviously I'm in Cardiff at the moment. So, my home is actually Gloucester. So there's a job that's come up a bit close to home. And so I'm going to go and speak to the career service and see how I can kind of better my application. And then in terms of kind of the next few months, potentially up to a year, it would be more just completing my master's degree, aiming to get a job within um, sports biomechanics. But September this year, I'm looking at going back to working in the schools just so I can earn a bit more money while I'm finishing off my degree and then about this time next year I'm looking to buy a house so I have kind of got a plan in place but um, you never know what's going to happen this year has been a roller coaster for everyone so you never know what's going to come next to you <laughs> no you don't and I think that also means that we don't take things for granted and um, the idea that you know, if, if we achieve those things slightly earlier than anticipated or slightly later, that it's not necessarily a failure. It's just things are happening in a slightly different order to what we initially anticipated. And of course, hindsight has taught us things that things don't always happen in the order that we want them to. And that's not always necessarily a bad thing. Um, and like I said, it just means that if we get it wrong, someone is going to correct us sooner. What an amazing conversation. I really enjoyed getting an understanding of Catherine's perception of her own growth throughout all of our experiences as an elite performer, educator and coach. Sometimes it really is easiest to trust the process and allow things to develop on their own and truly appreciate them looking backwards. My overall idea of the optimism vision is that we can truly believe things will get better even if we don't believe that to be true in the present moment. Keep living your vision to the fullest. As we draw this episode to a close, I would love to extend my gratitude to you, the listener, for spending at least the last half hour with us, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. If you're feeling especially generous before you continue your own vision of optimism, please leave a positive review on wherever you're listening. It truly helps generate exposure for the Optimism Vision podcast. I'd love to know what you got out of our conversation, and maybe you'll even share this episode with a friend or family member. Make sure you stay up to date by following at 
the Optimism Vision on all social media platforms, and I look forward to seeing you soon.